0: This is the sideline distant podcast coming to you from YouTube and iTunes. Follow me on Twitter as always at the Brad Whitaker. I am the Brad Whitaker. Lots of NBA and NFL to talk about today. Uh, the March Madness brackets are also out, so everyone is pretending they've been watching college basketball all season. Oh, Wichita State got robbed in the seeding. No, you haven't paid attention. You haven't watched one game from Wichita State all season. Don't don't talk to me about Wichita State being robbed if you've not watched a single game of Wichita State. Nobody's been watching college basketball all season, and now everybody is an expert. I I'm tired of it, and because of it, I'm not even going to talk about college basketball. At least not today. Uh, again, the tournament starts on Thursday, uh, but I'm starting today with uh, NBA. Uh, the Golden State Warriors have now lost five of their last seven games. And uh, things aren't looking good in Golden State. And uh, we knew this scenario was very possible this offseason. So uh, I'm surprised when I'm watching the basketball media in shock over this losing streak from the Warriors. And, of course, everyone's saying it's all because of Kevin Durant not being on the floor. And then, you know, the Warriors didn't even play their their big names on... Uh, what was it, Saturday against the San Antonio Spurs, who also didn't play any of their big names. Steve Kerr and Popovich must have called each other the night before or something. But I, it's, it's interesting, again, because we knew this was probably going to happen. We knew after the Warriors signed Kevin Durant, they said, oh, oh, this is a super team, nobody's going to stop them. But then again, we also knew that if Kevin Durant went down or if Draymond Green went down, we knew the Warriors would no longer have the depth or the size to keep up, and that's because they lost so many pieces in this past offseason, and just now we're beginning to talk about it. All right, You can't lose Harrison Barnes, Andrew Bogut, Festus Ezeli, Leandro Barbosa, Brandon Rush, and Maurice Spates in the offseason, and expect to be the same non-stop winning team that you were the year before. I don't care if you bring in Kevin Durant, because the second he goes down, or the second Draymond Green goes down, shit hits the fan, and that's what's happening in Golden State right now. And yes, the Warriors did make some moves uh, midseason and in the off season, but we all knew it wasn't enough. Zaza Pachulia is not enough to make up for the loss in size. Let me read that list again of the players the Warriors lost from last year to this year. Harrison Barnes, Andrew Bogut, Festus Azili, Leandro Barbosa, Brandon Rush, and Maurice Spates. Zaza Pachulia is not making up for that. And then, furthermore, Andrew Bo- An- uh, Andre Iguodala is not the player he used to be. He's certainly not the defender he used to be. Neither is Matt Barnes. Remember they brought in David West, the experienced veteran? to lift things up, he's certainly not the player he was used he used to be. And don't even get me started on JaVale McGee. We all know JaVale McGee. He's not a game-changer at all. And you'll also notice that role players like Sean Livingston, they aren't getting the open looks they were getting last year. And it's obvious, are just less threats on the floor. Now, if Durant comes back, which uh, many expect he will be by the postseason... Uh, the the Warriors will obviously be a better team. He spreads out the floor. Uh, you know he's not he's not the most physical player, but he has size, and you know it only creates more shots for Klay Thompson and Stephen Curry, uh, and increases the effectiveness of Draymond Green. But even with Kevin Durant back, this Warriors team is not a shoe in for the NBA Finals. A seven game series. Where's teams down like the Warriors, teams that don't have a ton of depth, teams that don't have a ton of size. We saw it last year, last year they didn't even have a great size or great rebounding, and because of it, the Thunder nearly eliminated them in five games. And then, once Cleveland got more physical when they were down three games to one, shit hit the fan in Golden State again. So... Yes, the Warriors brought in Kevin Durant last offseason, and they're probably a better team because of it at the things they do well, which is shoot threes and play team basketball. But that doesn't make up for losing Harrison Barnes and Andrew Bogut. Festus Ezeli, a terrific role player. What about Maurice Space? Spates? I mean, if you don't have the size or the depth, you will continuously be exploited in a 4-7 to game series. That's just what's going to happen. And and right now, the Warriors are only, what, a half game up on the San Antonio Spurs in the Western Conference? What happens if they lose home court? Which they probably will. Because they're not rushing Durant back. They want him healthy for the playoffs. Sure, the Warriors will get through the first round, no problem. But what happens when they run into a more physical team like the Houston Rockets? I don't love the Houston Rockets and their style of play. But the fact of the matter is, James Harden is a much better passer than he used to be. They have bigs that can rebound. And they're they're high percent they have a bunch of high percentage three point shooters, and when they're not shooting threes, they're getting layups. That's a team that could beat Golden State, potentially. Not saying they will, but potentially. San Antonio, we always know they're going to be a threat. And hell, the Clippers, they're basically a jump shooting version of of a team like the Warriors. They're not really built for today's NBA, but with DeAndre Jordan, with their deep bench and all their veterans, they have the capability of matching, I mean, uh, beating Golden State at least two or three times. They'll be the more physical team out there, certainly. So, again, the Warriors, and, and I, if you look back on my podcast uh, a couple months ago, I, I said this. The Warriors in the offseason expanded on their strengths, but their weaknesses got even weaker, and when you lose one of your big men, and I'm, I'm going to consider Kevin Durant a big man simply because of his height and his wingspan and his ability to stretch the floor, when you lose either him or if you lose a Draymond Green, as the Warriors did uh, to suspension last year in the playoffs, you're not the same team. And the Warriors' margin for error is closing because of this. And who knows how long this dynasty is going to last. We all thought it would last forever. Uh, I don't get the idea Stephen Curry is going to leave in the future, but it could happen. You never know. And, I mean, you can't can't just expect Zaza Pachulia to make up for the loss in size. It's just not going to happen. And Andre Iguodala, not getting any younger, neither is Matt Barnes, certainly not David West. And then you got friggin' JaVale McGee out there. That's not going to help you either. So it's going to be a much more difficult road to the NBA Finals for the Warriors this year. And right now, even with a healthy Durant, they're far from a much less so than last year. So I'm about to say something that, uh, never in a million years I thought I would say. I really like what is going on in Cleveland, and I'm not talking about the Indians or the Cavaliers. I am talking about the Cleveland Browns. Yes. I really like what Cleveland is doing. Now, if you haven't been paying attention to the NFL the last week, I know there's a lot going on. NBA heating up, March Madness just beginning, uh... Over the weekend, or just prior to the weekend, the Texans traded away uh, Brock Osweiler and uh, a second-round pick to Cleveland just to get rid of him. And, uh, of course, everyone criticized it as another dumb move by the Cleveland Browns. Brock Osweiler, not a great quarterback. Well, they're not keeping Brock Osweiler. And even if they do, he is not the centerpiece of that organization. He may... It may take another season for Cleveland to rebuild, and perhaps Brock Osweiler will start under center, but first of all, I don't believe that will happen, and even if it does, they're not planning on running with Brock Osweiler. The Cleveland front office is now being orchestrated, if you haven't paid any attention, by Paul DePodesta. If you haven't heard of him, he's better known as Jonah Hill's character from the movie Moneyball. Now, I know DePodesta was a baseball guy, but last year, or uh, before last, this most recent season, Cleveland hired DePodesta to to pretty much apply that money ball philosophy to the Cleveland front office. And now that uh, De Podesta's gotten a year to get his feet wet a little bit, uh, and the, you know we all saw what the Browns did last season, they pretty much tanked, and obviously they had a lot of issues at quarterback, uh, and... They don't have a great O-line or defensive rush, and they got one good receiver who just left the team. But it, it, it doesn't matter. they got a good tight end, like Gary Barnage and, and uh, Thomas on the O-line. But uh, Cleveland basically tanked this past season. DiPodesta got his feet wet, wet, and now they're hoarding draft picks as they have two first round, two first-round picks in this year's draft, two second-round picks, and next year they have a first and three second round picks. And they, they got a lot of these picks by uh, giving up the number two selection last year. Uh, and many said it was a mistake because the Eagles drafted Carson Wentz and the outlook for his career looks pretty good. But because of it, also Cleveland has a lot of thirds. They're hoarding draft picks. And now, look, you can't just bring in a Jimmy Garoppolo and expect the team to start winning. You need a good O-line. Uh... And Cleveland hasn't exactly drafted well in the past, but now they have the assets to make a big splash like that. And uh, here's the thing. DePodesta, under his philosophy, what's happened is Cleveland has cleared up a ton of cap space. And because they've cleared up all this cap space, they can make that deal for Brock Osweiler and get that extra second-round pick. It's not like they're getting any worse at quarterback to begin with. They're probably going to cut RG3, uh, and and potentially Osweiler if they can't trade him away, and I don't get the idea there's going to be any takers, so they could potentially cut, uh, cut Brock Osweiler and Robert Griffin, and that's expensive to do, but because of all this cap space, Cleveland can take the hit. And I'm, I'm not going to say they're going to draft any better, but they will use that number one pick on Miles Garrett, and... He's as close to a slam dunk as you're going to get in this draft. So then they got a good defensive pass rusher. And then they still have all these picks hoarded, so they could go out and get Jimmy Garoppolo. And hopefully they can build up that offensive line a little bit this offseason and maybe draft one, take a chance on a few O-linemen, and hopefully one or two of them works out. Uh, and there's also free agency, even though Cleveland is not exactly a hotbed for free agents. Uh, I really like what's going on with the Browns. And in the NFL, this isn't like uh, the NBA, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this a little more in the next segment, uh, or even baseball. You can turn around a team in one off season, even if they've only won, won a single game the year before. Cleveland is capable of turning this team around. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs or win the AFC North, but we could see a 7-9 and nine football team just from one offseason I mean they've cleared out all this cap space uh hopefully they draft a little better than they have in the past and I really really do believe they're going to go after Jimmy Garoppolo now uh New England has been driving up the Jimmy Garoppolo price and uh we've heard that, uh, reportedly, the Browns are only willing to give up the 12th overall pick for Garoppolo, but they got that second round selection from Houston in the Brock Osweiler trade, so they can probably throw that in there, and, you know, New England doesn't even like first round picks anyway, because they're expensive, so, again, they have a ton of thirds, they have three second round picks next year, so, who knows, You you could do the 12th overall pick, and two seconds and a third, or just that, that 12th overall pick in two seconds, and maybe New England will pull the trigger, uh, and they draft well, certainly better than Cleveland does. But, I, I you know, obviously it's going to take a few years before Cleveland's scouting department gets their shit together. Uh, but, again, I really like what Podesta is doing with this team. They have more cap space than anyone else in the league, and uh, they can afford to bring in a Brock Osweiler, take the hit, uh, cut him or trade him away, uh, and get, you know, a six round draft pick or something for him. And then, you know, they're going to cut RG three. He's not the quarterback of the future. Maybe they'll hold on to that 12th overall pick and perhaps bring in Deshaun Watson. Although there's, there's a real chance he'll get drafted earlier than that. Uh, and I, I like Deshaun Watson. I'm a fan of him. I'd pick him before any of these other quarterbacks in the draft, uh, Kaiser from Notre Dame, everyone loves him because he can throw the ball downfield. That's the same mistake every scout has ever made in the last two decades, picking quarterbacks that are attracted by the big guy with the long arm who can't throw complete more than 60% of his passes, and... uh Mitch Trubisky, I, I don't know much about him, but that just the name sounds like a draft bust, Mitch Trubisky. It just sounds like a quarterback that's destined to fail in the NFL, and, and he barely even won that many games in North Carolina to begin with. Uh, so again, people are attracted to size and athleticism, and not the guy that converts when it counts to Sean Watson. So perhaps they'll go with him, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns do land Jimmy Garoppolo simply because... They've had the cap space to take in Brock Osweiler and keep hoarding picks, and they're going to trade some of those assets away, and New England drafts well, uh, and they have Jacoby Brissett. He could be a solid backup with another offseason under his belt. Uh, So I wouldn't be surprised if they did it, but for once, I think things are looking bright in Cleveland. So I've talked both uh, NBA and NFL on today's podcast. This segment will combine the two, and uh, yes, I'm not going to speak very highly of the NBA, and uh, I I fell into this trap when I was just a a lowly sports blogger thinking that the NBA is is considered the role model league of professional sports and that the NFL is the big bad wolf that can't do anything right. But success isn't determined by the league that wins the PR war. Certainly having good public relations is a factor to being successful, but it is a small factor, if anything. And there's a reason the NBA's ratings are down 15% this year. And it's not for the same reason the NFL's were down uh, during the regular season. In fact, the NFL's ratings bounced back, and I think they had a game with between Dallas and Pittsburgh that broke all the records in the regular season. They had a good postseason, obviously. The teams had a lot of stars and were, were uh, high-profile franchises down the stretch. Uh, but the, the NBA's ratings aren't suffering because of Donald Trump in the same way the NFL's were. Uh, there are a number of reasons things aren't working out in the NBA right now, and a reason why ratings are down 15% this year. First of all, and I've I've stressed this time and time and again, the NBA season is way too long. I mean, when does when does uh, the preseason or training camp or whatever they call it in the NBA start? That starts in September, and the The season doesn't even end till middle of June. I mean, that's a really long season. The NFL season starts in September and is over by the first week in February. So it it is way too long, and because of that, nobody pays attention to the NBA in October when the regular season starts, or November, or December, or January, or early February, or at least until the NFL season is over. And then the NBA has their all-star weekend, and that's sort of their coming out party, which is always a lame lame party every year and and people care less and less about the all-star game and the slam dunk contest and certainly the rookie challenge or whatever they call it. And because the season is so long, NBA stars LeBron James, you saw the Warriors do it this weekend, they sat down all their big name players Stars rest a lot more, especially during games that aren't as important in the regular season. And then fans attending those games get pissed off. And the media networks lose money and get even more pissed off. ESPN was so pissed over the weekend about that Warriors and Spurs game. Uh, And so so were the fans in attendance that came to see Golden State. that came to see Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson play. They didn't get to see it. And they also have the drawn-out playoff, which is nearly three months long. And, you know, their they're best seven game series from the first series to the last. So it's drawn out. There's rarely any upsets. And because of it, you can predict who is going to be in the finals almost every year. I mean, it's with the the injuries and... The losing streaks, things are looking a bit rocky for the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors, and as I mentioned earlier in the segment, I don't think the Warriors are eschewing because of their lack of depth and size uh, when they brought in Kevin Durant and lost all those pieces, but it's still a very safe bet to pick Cleveland and Golden State to be in the NBA Finals this year. And and you know the other teams that are going to be in the semi and conference finals. We know in the East there's Washington, and there's Boston, and there's Toronto, and in the West there's San Antonio and Houston, and maybe the Clippers, but probably not. And that's about it. I mean, I, I like the Utah Jazz. They could surprise people because nobody's paid attention to them. Uh, very much, they're physical, they don't turn the ball over a lot, Uh, they play slow basketball, but it works for them because they don't make many mistakes, so maybe they could surprise people, but I don't see it happening, again, the safe bet is Golden State and San Antonio, and you know, I I would love for the NBA to have like a, a 16 team single elimination bracket, or just like a best of three game series, the ratings would be through the roof, uh, but I understand that you want more games with solid ratings and less games with great ratings, uh, and you make more money that way. And uh, they, The NBA wants the season to go as long as possible because they want to fill arenas for 82 games and the preseason and use the preseason to travel the world and play in cities in the U.S. that aren't played in by NBA teams often, and then they want people tuning in for three months during the playoffs. But... It's not exciting, and fans are losing interest because of it. And then perhaps most importantly, there's a lack of parity in the NBA, and here's the reason why I think there it is that way. Under the CBA agreement, players are very well compensated, but they're also tied up to teams, and they can't exactly be easily cut like the NFL. You know, players, NFL teams can r- rebuild in a single offseason— unlike nba teams that are tied to these player contracts and you know the, the only way teams can get rid of them like look at what Sacramento had to do with Boogie Cousins you know they probably wanted to get rid of him like 2 years ago but they ended up trading him away for for players of lesser value in return so what happens when you when you under these agreements is you have these large market teams like the Philadelphia 76ers who choose to tank for 5 to 10 years and then it's not like the NBA lottery has discouraged tanking like everyone says it does there's more teams tanking now than ever you know maybe you should just like the NFL if you or with the Browns this past season you should just let the teams that want to tank tank You know, there's only two to three game changers that come out of the NBA draft every year anyway. Usually it's like the first and second pick, and then there'll be someone late in the first round or somewhere in the second round, like a Jimmy Butler or an Isaiah Thomas that just comes out of nowhere. But that's about it. I mean, you really want, if you're tanking, you need to get that number one or number two overall pick, or chances are you're not getting a superstar player. You know, why create this gamble, this NBA draft lottery gamble, if it never works? Teams are tanking anyway. So if you take all of these and you put them together, there's a reason the NBA's ratings are down 15%. In the NFL, we're probably, I mean, there's a good chance the Patriots are back in the Super Bowl, but in the NFC, it could be a completely different team. Who the hell knows the Tampa Bay bucks if they can strengthen their offensive line, same thing with the New York Giants. They both get solid defenses and uh, competent quarterbacks, great receivers. One of those teams could be in the in the Super Bowl. Tampa missed the playoffs this past year. They could be in the Super Bowl next year for all we know. This is the difference between the NFL and the NBA. And you know, it's I'm a Boston Celtics fan, so my team only had to tank after getting rid of Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce when they fleeced Brooklyn in those trades and got all those first-round picks, which are, are now beginning to pay out, uh, they only had to tank for one season. That is not the normal. The normal is the Sixers or the Minnesota Timberwolves. Look at all the talent the Minnesota Timberwolves have acquired, and they're still probably not going to make the playoffs. So, And I, I thought Thibodeau would be very successful, but they're, they're probably two to three years away from being a mid-level playoff team. And it's just a, a lot needs to be fixed in the nba you need and and it's more of a player driven league it's a star driven league uh unlike the nfl and you know players are well compensated they have massive security blankets and because of that team front offices can't cut players and they can't move on they can't rebuild they can't learn from their mistakes and you know one bad move could cost an nba team a decade Again, I really like what the Sixers are doing, but how close are they to being a contender in the Eastern Conference? There's also still two to three years away, like the Minnesota Timberwolves. So, yes, the NBA, they win the PR war with the NFL, but that's about it. The NFL is doing very great, especially from a business perspective. And, you know, as we saw with the Warriors and the Spurs, when they sat all their players uh, on Saturday. ESPN is pissed off about that, and and they should be. And, you know, the people aren't tuning into games like they used to. People are scared to attend game. People are scared to go see Cleveland play their team. Uh, Cleveland on the road play their team, or Golden State, because there's a good chance that Steve Kerr uh, is going to sit his players, or LeBron's going to sit. And they should sit because championships are what matters. You're resting for that three-month-long playoff race. So the regular season doesn't matter. So that's too long. So a lot the NBA has to fix, and uh, I just don't see it getting better anytime soon. So after that depressing thought, that's (laughs) that's it for today's podcast. I'll be back tomorrow. Until then, I bid you adieu.